here, how many have heard of Freedom Life Skills? So it's, it's relatively new for, for most of you, but it's a ministry that has been in establishment for about 30 years. And it has, gotten, it has come to Wisconsin about three years, and then I've just recently been hired to become the Lakeshore Regional Director. I oversee Sheboygan, Manitowoc, Ozaki, and part of Milwaukee County. And as I go through a little bit of the message, you're going to understand a little bit more about what Life Skills is. Because what Life Skills is, I, I love pastoring. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the privilege to go to Bible school right out of high school like, like most ministers that are called. I actually ended up going into the workforce. I spent almost 20 years in, in project management and sales, worked my way through various corporations. God promoted me, but my heart was always to be in ministry. And, and so as I was traveling in sales, instead of watching TV, I would be working on Bible lessons. I wrote, I've authored over nine study cur uh, curriculum, and I've also got my master's degree in theology by simply studying hotel rooms. And because my passion was really to preach the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, and just to experience change, allow people to experience change in their lives. Because I'm, I'm so passionate about the Word, you'll see that as I get going in the, in the message here this morning. But one of the things that really excited me about life skills, Freedom Life Skills, it is a 26-week course. It's 26 weeks, that's six months, so it is quite a commitment. And at the end of the service, I have a table out there, and I'll answer more questions. But I'm saying that to, to tell you this. I did the 26 weeks in seven days. And it, just, it was just amazing. It's almost overload. But what, what life skills is all about in a nutshell is this. It helps us to identify with the wounds of our past to make some sense out of the things that we do. Now, I don't know about you, but you've probably heard that this person is acting like a child. Now, also, let me say this, wives, don't be looking at your husbands and nodding them and nudging them a little bit when I begin to say things. And, and husbands, do not, not nudge your wives either. So just kind of look at me and smile if I'm saying something that really says, yeah, I wish, I hope they get this. Because the other one is thinking the same thing about you. But one of the things that I really have experienced in life skills, I, I do a lot of the family counseling at, at Praise Fellowship, and, and I will be transitioning out. In fact, at the end of this month, I'll, I'll be done at Praise Fellowship and doing Freedom Life Skills full time. But I have done a lot of marriage counseling and a lot of interaction with people over the years, and I have not ever seen anything work as well as life skills in restoring marriages. In fact, in the last three years, over 500 marriages have been restored in Green Bay alone that have gone through life skills. It's, it's amazing. We have also met with uh, the lieutenant governor of our state, and we're working on meeting with the governor of our state once things settle down a little bit. Um, <laughs> But one of the things that we have actually presented to them, and, and they're, actually, they're actually considering this, is that whenever a person goes through, is filing for a divorce, one of the things we've asked is why don't we make it mandatory that every couple would have to go through life skills before it's finalized? I mean, we've presented this to them already because it's, it's a six-month program, and it takes between four to six months to, for a divorce to be final. I know when people get called for DUIs and things like that, they have to go to these classes. They pay $25 to take these classes and so forth. And, you know, and we're thinking, well, why don't we just do the same thing with life skills? And, uh, in fact, starting, in, um, starting, I believe, in April, I'm going to be going into the Ozaki Jail twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Life skills is a three-hour-long class for six months. 
three hours long. And we deal with the wounds of our past. We deal with, we deal with anger issues. We deal with violence. But what the neat thing is, it's kind of a covert Christian type material because it's, it's a mixture between uh, theology but also a mixture of mental health and child, child development, lifespan development. And that's something because the, guy, the author of this program is a man who was a theologian or who is a theologian. But yet he's also had a lot of documentation from mental health and, and a lot of brain mapping and so forth to show that, that things are literally changing in people's lives that, that commit to this program. So anyway, I will give you a lot more information. I am going to be doing an informational meeting at Northern Ozaki High School March 16th from 6 to 8, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. March 16th is a Wednesday night. I will be at Ozaki High School. They've, they've asked us to come in and, and open it up to Ozaki County and, and, and to lead classes there. They're going to allow us to use the facility there. We did a program for kids, middle school age kids last summer, that it was just amazing the things that happened in their lives as well. And so I'll share more of that with you. But I really am passionate about the Word, and I want to preach the Word, and I just give you an infomercial, okay? So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. What I want to share with you is a message entitled, Healing the Hidden Child Within. I think all of us have a little child within us. And I think a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier, that sometimes we begin to act like little children and we don't know why. And, and I think as I go through the message, you will, you will, you will catch on to this a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. And I'm going to key on that word here, I put away, in just a moment. But one of the things that we have found is that we sometimes act like children because we have found that through our studies that our emotions will get frozen at the point of trauma. And, and if a and person, if they're traumatized, and before the age of puberty, they will revert back to that age of trauma as whenever they are stressed or whenever they are, whenever they are anxious. In fact, when Jim Baker of PTL Club, when he was arrested, they found him in a fetal position sucking his thumb under his desk. And Dr. Hegstrom, the, guy, the man that, that developed this program, is the one that counseled Jim Baker back to, to emotional mental health, back to stability. But the point was that, that he himself had been sexually assaulted as a child. And so that point of trauma, when he felt his world was unsafe, what he would do is get into fetal position and begin to act like a child. Now, we have found in our studies there are five things that, that causes a little child to hide within ourselves. There are five things that they occurred before the age of puberty, then our emotions are frozen or arrested in development, and then we need, to, we need to find a tool that will help us. And that's what Life Skills does. It helps us, give us the tools to be able to function normally. If you have experienced rejection, if you've experienced incest, molestation, emotional abuse, or physical abuse, one or a cluster of those things before the age of puberty, chances are your emotions will be frozen at the age of that trauma. And I share that because I'm, I'm, for a number of years, even though I've been so passionate about the Word of God, I would study the Word, I would preach the Word, I would travel the, the United States and, and, sh and minister the Word of God. But yet at home with my, with my wife, sometimes it would drive her nuts because I would act like a little child. 
in certain areas of my life. And as I begin to study these things, begin to recognize why I was doing what I was doing, it all came back to me that I experienced some tremendous rejection at a very young age. When I was eight years old, my mother started to cheat on my dad. And, you know, my mother, just kind of put things in perspective, my mother was 14 when she married my dad. My dad was 21. In West Virginia, you're an old maid if you weren't married before 15. But the thing is, my, my mother had been dating my dad's brother prior to my dad dating my mom. And my uncle was called, went, ended up going to the war. And so then my dad kind of stepped in and started dating my mom, and they ended up getting married. But yet, when my uncle came back from the war, my mother rekindled the relationship with my uncle. And so my mother left us and ran off with my dad's brother which virtually destroyed my dad. My dad became an alcoholic. He couldn't deal with the pain that he experienced in his life. He was so hurt because he truly loved my mother. And I was the oldest of five kids, and I remember I was about 13 years old at this point. But as an eight-year-old, I've been seeing this going on and sneaking around and, and, and not quite understanding what was going on, but something inside of me said, it's just it's not normal, it's not right. But I remember when my mother left, when she walked out the door, my baby sister, who was five years old at the time, took a hold of my hand and says, Where's mommy going? When's mommy coming home? I didn't know how to answer that. And that had created so much pain, so much anger in my heart towards women that I, I, just, I just had a hard time relating with women because something inside of me said women were evil, they were bad. And I, and I worked with one of, and every time I, I couldn't enter into a healthy relationship because every time I, would, I started getting close to a girl, I would do things to sabotage it because I didn't want to be hurt again by that rejection. So when I finally got married to my wife, I began to treat my wife as if she was a mother because as a, as a son, you want to have that bonding relationship with a mother. And it used to drive my wife nuts simply because I would always ask her, what do you want to do? Is it okay if we do this? Instead of taking the lead as, as God had ordained a husband to do in his household, I began to treat her like a mother. And let me tell you something. Subconsciously, if you want to kill the sex drive, start, start treating your wife as if she's your mother. Because the intimacy will begin to kind of fade away because in your mind it tells you it's not normal, it's not right, it's not healthy. And so as I began to go through life skills, I began to identify that behavior in my life. And I was able to take it to the cross and allow the Lord to bring healing to that. In fact, it wasn't until this past Thanksgiving that my mother and I have, have actually entered into a healthy mother-son relationship 35, over 35 years later. You know, my mother is only 69 years old. I'm 53. You know, and, and, one, and I found out, I found out how, how mean high school girls could be. Because one day I was with my mother when I was about 17. My girlfriend saw me with my mother, called me and called me every name in the book. You're cheating on me. You're dating another girl. I said, it's my mother. Mothers don't look like that. So I had to put my mother on the phone to call her to explain to her that, yes, indeed, we were down, downtown together. But, you know, but, it, but even though it was always an attitude that when I would go to see my mom in, in West Virginia, my, my dad died at a very young age. He died at the age of 46, and I greatly missed my dad because this thing virtually destroyed my dad. 
Have you ever been to the point in your life that the pain is so deep that you feel that you can't let go, you can't forgive, but yet you know up here that you've got to forgive? But down here you go, but pastor, the pain I'm experiencing is so deep, I can't ever forgive that person for what they did. I can't forgive them. I remember the last time I saw my dad alive, it was December, going home. I went to school in Oshkosh. And I, went to, and I was flying back to West Virginia, and I saw my dad in December of, of that year. And I said to my dad, I said, and I gave him a Bible for Christmas, and I said, Dad, you, I said, the Bible says you have to forgive Mom. He goes, Son, I can never forgive her for what she did. That hurt me so bad. I can never forgive her. But, you know, I believe we have a promise in God's Word that, that, that when we are to the point of pain in our lives that we can't forgive, we can ask for God's grace to enable me to do what I am capable of doing in my own strength. And I said, God, you have to give me the grace to, to forgive the unforgivable and to love the unlovable. Because a lot of times people are reacting out of their woundedness and they don't understand why they are doing what they're doing. It's because they too have been hurt. They've been wounded so deeply that they can only react in a negative way. And I remember when my dad died, I got the Bible back from my dad. Someone gave it back to me for several months. I wasn't able to even open it. But when I finally opened it, I saw written in the back of the Bible, it says, Lord, I forgive Bertha for what she has done to me. I just knew that God had intervened some way, somehow, that God was going to grant him the grace to forgive my mother so that we would have a glorious reunion one day in heaven. You know, I found, too, that our children are very self-centered. Most children are very me-oriented. And most children demand instant gratification. Without raising your hands, ladies, how many did I just describe your husband? Husbands, did I just describe your wife? That's probably because they are living out of their woundedness. Now, let me give you an example. You know, children before the age of puberty do not have the ability to see the big picture. Because, you see, the brain is actually, it continues to grow and to develop. And it really, your brain does not come to full maturity until the age of 30. But that's why a little child, if they are playing with a ball, and, they, and the ball gets knocked down to the street, a child will, will begin to pursue that ball. They will, they will run after that ball because all they can see is that ball. They cannot see any of the danger that is around them. They can only see the ball. But you, as, a, as an adult, have the c- capacity now to see everything around you. You can see the child, the ball, plus the cars, and the parked cars, and seeing that when he's running out into the street, there's a car coming. That's because our brain has the chemicals released to help us to see the big picture. But a child doesn't have that capacity. And so, so the child runs after the father, hollers, stop. And the child stops and his life is spared. But let me just bring it on home. How many of us guys sometime will go home after a hard day's work and we cannot see anything around us other than a remote control over there and we're walking to the house to pick up the remote and we want to sit down, turn on the news, read the paper and not have any conversation. That's because we probably were arrested in our emotional development at that point of trauma. Chances are you had experienced rejection, emotional or physical abuse as a child, maybe incest, maybe molestation. Maybe some of, one of these things calls that point of trauma. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and he makes this statement, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. 
and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. It's interesting that word oppressed there is, is in the King James is the word bruised. What is a bruise? A bruise is a rupture beneath the surface. I believe when Jesus says that I've come to set at liberty those who are oppressed, he is dealing with emotional issues at that point. Because we have so many hurts beneath the surface that, that drive our lives, that we, that we live such a rea- so reactively, we don't understand why we do what we do. But yet we continue to do those things. This is why we are getting this ministry into the jails and try to, trying to get into the public schools. Because so many people are wounded. So many people that are, that are in jail will go to jail and they get out and they swear, I will never go back again. And within three years, they are back in the jail again. And they know the moment that they, that they offend, it is going to get them in trouble again. So why do we continue to do bad behavior over and over and over again, knowing that the outcome is going to be negative? It's because the hidden child is still within. The hidden child is still within. And we are living out of our woundedness. You see, when we set people free from their respective captivity, we are preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And whether it be captivity to sin, whether it's captivity to something that happened years ago or captivity to the entirety of one's past, many people have been held captive by the hidden child within, which can only be liberated by the power of the living God. See, one of the, one of the greatest misconceptions that we entertain is that people automatically grow up in maturity because they grow physically. Nothing can be farther from the truth. In fact, there are many people who, as far as chronological progress is concerned, that may be mature. But when their emotions and spiritual matters, when, when they're taken into account, they still act like infants. They're still little children, even though they may have been in church for many, many years. They still act like little children. I used to get so frustrated because my gifting is a teacher. I, I love to read the Word. I love to study the Word. I love to just dig into it to find out the origin of the things and how it's put together and, and understanding the languages and the culture. I, I'm so passionate. And I would labor for hours over the Word. And then I would go to a church and I begin to share. And I'm so excited about it. Man, I just can't wait. It's like saying, sick them to the dogs. I'm so excited. I just want to pounce on it and preach the Word. And I would go to church and people's eyes would glaze over and roll back in their heads. Just like some of you are right now. <laughs> and, and, and the reason, and I said, well, Lord, what is this? Why is this happening? And the Lord spoke to my spirit. And I was in charge of small groups. And, and I was trying to put all the small groups together. And the Lord spoke to my spirit. He says this. He says, Andy, when you have the flu, what do you think of? I said, well, I want to get better or die. <laughs> I mean, there's really no in between when you got the flu, Right? And the Lord spoke to my spirit. He says, Andy says, the people in the congregation, people in the, in the pews have the emotional flu. Because even though they've received Christ into their lives, they cannot get beyond the pain that they are experiencing right now. All they can feel is their emotional pain, how deeply they have been wounded, how much they have been hurt. In fact, a lot of that pain goes towards God. After all, I'm in church, and I'm tithing. I'm doing all these different things. Why is my marriage on the rocks? Why are my children so rebellious? Why are all these things happening? It's because we are being driven by the hidden child within. We are living reactively from the wounds of our past. And I think the, what, what, one of the things that the Lord had me do when I was setting up small groups was I needed to put together support groups to help people deal with their woundedness, divorce care, Celebrate recovery. 
different things that deal with addictive behaviors because I can put them into small groups, but, they're not, they, but they have the emotional capacity of a five-year-old and they just can't hear the word. It just will not penetrate them. And so according to 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says, I put away these childish things. And the Greek word is that I uproot it. I tear it out by its roots. And let me just share with you how we can do that. How we can pull these things out by the roots. How can, I, how can I remove the hidden child within? How can I begin to experience the emotional wholeness that I should be walking in and functioning in? Number one, you have to recognize that the child may still dwell within you. You can't say, well, that's, that's, that's nonsense. You have to first of all recognize that the hidden child may still be within you. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6, it says, A little child shall lead them. A little child shall lead them. Let me suggest this to you. That all too often, the child within is there to mislead us. Because we are a tapestry of the past. We're woven all together by our childhood adolescence, our adult years, and the hidden child within may be the determining factor how we're living our life. Maybe we're living out of our woundedness because of the hidden child within, and that hidden child is directing us. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. It says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are not able, for you are carnal. Now listen to this description of carnal, carnality. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? And behaving like mere men. You see, a carnal man is a believer with childish ways. A carnal man is a believer with childish ways. See, that's why there's so many in, in families. Because there's why there's strife. And that's why there's envy. That's why there's divisions. Because we're like a child. We want our way. See, people of maturity will know that as Christians, we are to prefer the brethren. We are to put their needs be, be above our needs. We just did a love and respect conference at our church. You know, and that's, they, talk, they call it the crazy cycle. How many of you have heard the love and respect conference? you got the crazy cycle. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Then it says, wives, respect your husband. And the wife says, well, he's not, he's not worthy of respect. But, you know, we are to respect them. Un- the wives are to respect them unconditionally as the husbands are to love them unconditionally. It's a crazy cycle because one has been wounded and no one wants to take the initiative to do that. I once asked uh, one of the facilitators, I said, well, if it's such a cycle, who takes the lead? Who should do what? He says, the one that feels he's the most mature in the relationship. But, you know, technically, it really should be the man because we are to give ourselves as Christ gave himself for the church. But yet we can't because of the wounds of our past. We've tried that before. It failed. We've done this and it failed. So we've got all these things going on, these different emotions going on that prevents us from taking that lead. Secondly, we know, know that God wants to heal you of the child within. You have to know that God wants to heal you of the child within. In fact, it is imperative that we discover the hidden child and by the power of the Holy Spirit, cut them out. Ephesians chapter 4, 
verses 14 and 15 says, That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. See, friends, children are very, very gullible. That's why there's so many church splits and divisions because children are very gullible. That we're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, it's, it, it, here's a... Let me just share with you. Being from West Virginia, I used to tease my little girl. We only, it took us, I, just, I rejoice, rejoice with you, brother. It took us six years to have our daughter. And we only had one daughter out of 30 years of marriage. One child. And so I gave her all my time, my energy. And I used to... And, you know, of course, little kids, they don't like wearing shoes. I used to call her my little hillbilly baby. She's my little hillbilly girl. You know, and so she'd be running around. And then I remember one day in school... Teacher asked, We want to talk about nationalities. What is your nationality? Some say, well, I'm German, and some say, I'm Dutch, I'm Spanish, I'm this. And my daughter goes, I'm a hillbilly. <laughs> so she comes home and tells my wife. And my wife says, Don't ever talk to your daughter again. <laughs> because let me explain why, why my wife felt that way. I have, a, I have a history book of the Shanholz family history. And I grew up in the Virginia, West Virginia line. My family fought for the other side. And so my daughter, we're looking through, we have a picture of Jefferson Davis in, in our family, family book. And my daughter goes, well, who is this? I go, he is the 16th president of the United States. My wife says, he was not. I said, he was where I grew up. <laughs> she says, don't you help your daughter with history either. <laughs> You can tell I've had some wounds that I've had to deal with. See, the South didn't lose the war. They're still waiting for supplies. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that, I, that I've learned over the years, and I don't know, how many know what, what suckers are on a fruit tree? I grew up on an apple orchard. A sucker, is, it's, it's a branch that will actually grow up from the base of the tree. And it looks like it's a part of the tree. It will actually grow leaves on the tree, but it is incapable of producing fruit. So a lot of us have this, what I call a pseudo-personality. Because of the depth of our woundedness, we begin to mask our behavior, and we begin to be what other people want us to be instead of what God wanted us to be. And so what happens is we have these suckers growing up in our lives, and we begin to look like the tree, but we're not. And in fact, the thing about a sucker is this. A sucker has, is incapable of producing fruit. It only has the ability to, to suck the nutrients out of the tree, impeding the growth of the fruit tree to produce healthy fruit. So some of us are, have impeded our growth of grow, producing healthy fruit because we have these suckers in our lives that are, that are impeding our growth. And those suckers are little children within us that need to be uprooted. And then finally, let me share this. We need to identify areas where the child can be seen. Most likely, these children will be seen in areas that we, or situations that we share with the ones that we love the most. First of all, in the area of marriage. A little child, in fact, studies have shown us, studies have shown us that every man that gets married has the, and this is serious, I'm not trying to be funny. Every man has the emotional capacity between a 9 and 11 year old when they're married. I know you women, watch how you're nodding your heads.
because, because of the, some wounds, whether it be verbal abuse, whether it be physical abuse, whether it be some type of rejection because they didn't get the complete nurturing between the father-son the father relationship and the, and the mother-son relationship because it wasn't healthy. It was very dysfunctional. We, they were traumatized between the ages of 9 and 11, and they act that way in a marriage relationship. Why? That's why your husbands will drive you nuts because you're dealing with children. And the same thing goes with women as well, depending upon your background. Let me give you an example. The husband is thinking, you know, yeah, my wife and I had a disagreement, and I really need to do something really nice for her, so I'm going to buy her some flowers. I'm going to go home. And, you know, you're thinking about this all day. You walk into the house, and then you see your wife working on something or trying to fix something that, she had asked you to do several times, maybe several months before, but you just never got around to it. It's one of these honey-to-do honey -do lists. I just got my wife a bigger jar. And, and, so, and, and so what happens is she, she, you, he walks in with these flowers, and, she, and he sees that the wife is, it just went into the garage and got his snap-on socket wrench and is using it for a hammer. And the, what does he do? He throws the flowers down and goes, that's mine. That's mine. What age of a child does that? That's mine. In fact, you can tell that there is arrested emotional development in a relationship when you go to the stereo cabinet and he's got his CDs and her CDs. What about our CDs? Now, again, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just being very real because this is how we, we, we live out of our woundedness. We, we say, this is mine. In fact, you put two children together, and one is one wants that toy. He's playing with it. And he, says, and he says, no, I don't want it. And they're pulling it. And he starts crying when the parent takes it away. When the parent walks out, he takes it back, hits him over the head with it. Mine. And now that happens in relationships. That's a two-year-old. How about the second area would be Communication. You can see it in communication. Instead of accepting responsibility, they'll communicate that it was someone else's fault. For example, a good example is this. Parent, mom comes out, just made a big fresh pot, of, uh, a batch of cookies, and puts them in a jar and says, now, don't you touch those cookies because they will ruin your supper. So what happens? Mom leaves the room, child reaches in, he grabs a cookie, comes back out, got crumbs all over his face, and the mom says, did I tell you not to eat those cookies? I didn't eat no cookies. There's some missing. Daddy did it. Daddy's not even home. It was the dog. They will not assume responsibility. This happened to me. My little girl, my little hillbilly girl, when she was real little, we bought her this little stuffed animal, this little panda bear, and I asked her, what do you want to call it? She goes, a boo-boo. Okay, so we call it a boo-boo. She still has a boo-boo, and she just gave it to our granddaughter, who's now six months old has the same little boo-boo. So this boo-boo is her favorite stuffed animal in the world. So one day I walk into her room and I notice that she had taken crayons and marked up and down the walls in her room. And I said, who did this? She goes, a boo-boo. I said, I'm going to slap the stuffings out of that bear. No, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him, Dad. Are you better? But you see, she wouldn't own the responsibility. That is, and we, when we don't own responsibility, we are reverting back to the age of a child. Simply because we are emotionally frozen at that point. 
we react. It's called reactive living. We react out of our woundedness. So we are incapable, incapable of making mature decisions because of our woundedness. Now, we'll create a pseudo-personality, but when you're pushed to the core, you're going to react the way that you really are. And that's why there are so many marriages on the rocks. Because we're dealing with children and not adults. And that's why life skills has been so beneficial in bringing health and wholeness. I had a couple in my office, one in marriage counseling. And, you know, I said, you know, I can, I can talk to you. You put a smile on your face, it'll work for three weeks. But until, I do, until you deal with the core of why you're doing what you're doing, you're still going to do it. So we need to get to the core of why you are living reactively, why you are doing these things. And life skills, I went into it, I thought, well, it helped me be a better counselor, be a better minister. So I projected that I went in for an ulterior motive, but really life skills is to fix you. I did not realize the depth of my own personal wounds until I went through life skills. And it radically has changed my life. And I've been on a path for healing for 30 years. So it's for everybody. It's not just for one person or a certain group of people. It is for everyone because we've all experienced wounds of our past. And then finally, we can see it in our attitudes. Attitude is how we view life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he has a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit or the attitude of your mind. You see, that's where life skills comes in. It is a course that provides the process of renewing our minds so that we can reach the level of maturity, emotional maturity, so we can be the person that God has designed us to be. In fact, it's interesting. They have done some brain. Dr. Daniel Amen, you can, you can Google his name. He's called Dr. Brain. Dr. Amen has actually studied the brain. In one of the segments in our, in our life skills story, we show, we show a picture of a brain that is renewed or regenerated, the transformed brain of a person that got saved. Before and afters. And the brain literally, literally does a, does a rewiring. There's a physiology uh, application that takes place. The brain actually will rewire itself. That's why the Bible tells us to renew our minds through the word of the, uh, word of the Lord. And it takes about three years for the brain to rewire itself. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was with, it, was with his disciples for three years? Total transformation comes. What life skills does, it's not a magic bullet. It's not a miracle pill, but what it does, it gives you the tools to do life. It gives you the skills to do life. It gives you the skills and the tools to make you better so that your marriage is better, that your parenting skills are better, that your ability to lead in the church, in your community, at your job, it all becomes better because we begin to reflect the character and the conduct of Jesus Christ. And we can't do that if we're living out of our woundedness. Amen? Would you pray with me?